1: what's going on today hope the day is treating you well wanted to let you know the podcast is proudly brought to you by muskoka spray foam insulation if you need your home spray foamed be sure to check out msfi.ca today drew and the crew over at muskoka are waiting for you to help you with your spray foam needs be sure to check out msfi.ca today we're also proudly brought to you by Boone Contracting. They pride themselves on excellent customer service and quality workmanship. They specialize in every aspect of contracting, residential or commercial, from complete custom renovations, decks, fencing and more. Be sure to check out booncontracting.ca. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, we are excited to sit down tonight with the man, the myth, the legend. You heard the rant about the Buffalo Sabres. You heard everything going on with the Buffalo Sabres around this gentleman, and now we get to sit down with them ourselves, talk a little bit about the Buffalo Sabres, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and everything going on with the NHL in between it is none other than Dwayne Steinel. Dwayne, how's your night shaking out? Uh, not too
0: bad, man. Just, uh, pretty much how every night's been the yes, couple of weeks. It's just kind of sitting inside with the dog and just, uh... Watching Netflix pretty much at this point, and uh, MSG is playing a lot of the Sabers Classics games, so we I actually get to watch the Sabers win for a change. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks, man. Uh, like I said, between watching the Sabers the Sabers Classics from the oh five oh six season to uh, again just not really having much human contact. Uh, it's it's been a very oh it's been very unprecedented times. I, I think is the correct way to say it.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's something that no one's ever experienced, right? Nobody knows really how to go through it, but we're all trying to get through it together. And I appreciate you taking the time to jump on. I know you said you're just kicking around with the dog, but I know the dog needs some attention too. So I appreciate you taking a few moments. So for yourself, what happened? What lined up that call, you know, that everybody heard? It basically sent shockwaves through everybody. I mean, I was so excited to hear it. I searched all over the internet to download it because it was scrubbed from so many different places. What set you off so badly, and what made you call in and and drop that off?
0: Um, Well, it wasn't... I mean, I'm actually kind of like a consistent caller into that radio station, WGR 550. I know some of the producers there, um, you know, from... Growing up and whatnot. And uh, so it's not something I've done that's been out of the norm for me to call into that station. Um, and I actually had zero intention actually, of actually going off the way I did uh, when I initially decided to call in, just listening to the show and the makeup of the show and the, su- the subject, the time. And I was like, you know what? I want to call in and I kind of like give my two cents here. And just, I was on hold and I was just parking out of my gym, just kind of sitting there and. You know, I've said this a couple of times. I was going down the rabbit hole of Twitter and Facebook, and just people complaining about the previous, uh, you know, the previous game. Uh, I think I think we were just out of the Ottawa game where they laid a night against Ottawa, uh, one nothing. And you know, I just started to think back at a lot of the things I've said over the past couple of years. So I was a big defender of the Pagula family, always had been, um, because I truly believe that, you know, hockey and football at the professional level wouldn't be here anymore if it wasn't for them. So I was always one of the first guys to come to their defense. And just looking back at the chain of events over the course of this last year between just, you know, um, you know, just, uh, you know, between misspelling names on jerseys and um, just not getting, not meeting deadlines for the, uh, the, you know, the, effort, the, the, the glorious in my opinion my one of my favorite jerseys the goathead jersey <laughs> and just everything else with the, the conditions of the arena the state of the beyond ice products combined with just the off ice product um, I just started to think you know, what the hell you know you know what, what the hell are we doing man like, 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 like we, we went from being just over a decade ago being what Terry Begula claimed to be hockey heaven when he sat up there during a press conference, when he bought the team crying his eyes out to being literally, literally the opposite hockey. Hell it's like, you know, we, it's like you don't even enjoy game days anymore, even during the regular season. It's just like, I remember growing up, I used to, I used to look forward to getting out of school, whether it was high school or college and getting home to watch the game at home or go to the game or go to a bar with friends to watch the games. just, it's just not there anymore because like literally just the way this organization's been r- and ran top to bottom, it's just a joke, an absolute joke.
1: I'm um, sorry, are we allowed to swear in here? Oh yeah, for sure, man. No problem. It's okay, a podcast. Right. Is not, is, there's no restraint, kind of buddy. Myself. Okay, all right. I was blading myself. Uh, in that case, you know, uh,
0: just just an absolute fucking shit show this organization has been for, in my opinion, not, not just a, you know, you know, most would say the last decade, but like I would say, more or less for me, the last like four to five years, it's just like I—it sucks the fucking passion out of you. You know the passion I once had for hockey. Once I the one not not only for hockey, the the passion I once had for this organization, it's just not there anymore. It's just you know I get angry, but I don't get like you know it's just not as emotional as it used to be. I'm I'm not sure if that makes any sense. It's
1: just, the passion
0: just not there anymore, and I. It, and it starts from the top, and you know, and I even said it in the call. Like I don't need Jerry, I don't need a Jerry Jones type of owner to to get in front of a camera or in front of a microphone once a week to explain himself. But of all years during the 50th anniversary, where you've screwed up at literally every level you could possibly screw up between the, the, the mishap with the misstitched jerseys. The not meaning the, the deadline with Adidas so we could wear the, the, the old goat head, the black and red jersey, um, between that and just, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just like, how do you fuck up this much and not answer for it? Like, I'm not sure, you know, what you, you know, you, if this is your full-time gig or if you have a job outside of all this, but, you know, like, when I screw up, like, I have to answer for it.
1: No, like we I, all have do, to, yeah. I have
0: to answer to my superiors. And the way I see it is the Pagula family works for us. And it, 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 it's, you know, you should have to answer to us when we have questions like this. and it, it, It's in between, and it's not like the on ice product has made, you know, has you know, you know, it's like, you know, cause they always say winning solves everything. My, my, my co-host calling winning, he always says winning solves everything. Well, we haven't won in a decade, um, <laughs> if you've ever been to you know now keybake center the the that arena is by and far near the bottom of the league as far as game presentation goes the state of the arena i mean there like there are there are seats in there held together by two by fours in the front row near the players bench like you know you know bird shit on seats it's it's like it, it's mind-boggling how we went from an owner again like I said earlier who Went from fucking crying his eyes out, pointing at Gilbert Perot, saying that's his hero, to you can't even fucking find him at a game half the time. I'm, like you know, like you can't, you, you, like, you, you can't even get, get a statement from the guy on you know his you know how he feels about the current direction of the team. And like meanwhile, okay, let's raise ticket prices some more. Let you know, let, like this, this, like like this new this. And I understand it's it, it's a pro, it's a product of the business, it's raising ticket prices. But when you haven't been to the playoffs in over a decade, and the type of the pro, type of price increases they, they put on us this year is an absolute fucking joke. I've I've talked to guys, um, some season ticket holders on my pod, my own podcast, uh, two bullies One Mike, and there are some guys whose ticket prices for next year have gone up over $1,200, 1300 dollars just in one year which is mind-blowing to me, that you would, would, like, and and these are fans that have been season ticket holders for well well before they were owners, and that's how you reward loyalty. That's how you reward reward loyalty for an absolute terrible product on and off the ice. You reward them by telling them, well, if you want to sit in those seats that you sit right now, um, you better give us an extra $1,200 next season. Like my own tickets went up five hundred dollars, and I'm like, and I still haven't decided if me, and my dad, if we're gonna renew, and this, and that's a tough decision, man. Like people say, love to say, well, just don't renew, hit it where it hurts the pocketbook. Well, you guys don't understand, man. Like when you when you have a bond like this with an organization, it's 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 like trying to break up with like a, with a, like a toxic relationship. Like it's not easy. No. It's definitely not easy, man. It's not easy to say, you know what? I this thing I've been doing for. Fifteen years. I'm not going to do it anymore. That's not an easy decision to come by, even if it costs a lot of money, and it does. It's going to cost roughly forty seven hundred dollars for my tickets in the three hundred levels
1: this next season. Um, well, I got to uh, ask you for for yourself. You know, getting the season tickets. Obviously, you love the team. So, does it hurt when you hear? Now, I think almost three players. I think it was uh, Berglund. Uh, passion of the game gone. Um, Rasmus Ristelainen, passion of the game, dwindled, gone. Ryan O'Reilly said that hockey was basically dead to him before he went to St. Louis. You know, hearing those things out of players on the team, obviously there's got to be something that we as fans, uh, obviously I'm a Maple Leaf fan, but I'm a fan of hockey in general. But, you know, there's got to be something in the water that's leading to these players saying this. There has to be some sort of toxicity that's making this happen where the on-ice product is not able to, you know, excel no matter what happens. In your opinion, what is the issue? And, I mean, we don't even have to talk about Mr. Peekaboo himself, Jeff Skinner, who has a great season, gets his money, and goes back to sleep like most Russian players do. I'm, I'm just talking about these guys here, talking about the passion of the game, and now the on-ice products suffering. There has to be something that we're not seeing. What is it that maybe as outside fans we're not seeing?
0: Well, um, well, uh, just, to, just to make a couple uh, piggyback off your, your original question i think berglin was more or less a mental thing i'm not sure how much that had to do with the organization that uh they haven't really been very transparent about that as far as you know his like his his story and his side of things the ryan o'reilly deal, like that that is a thousand percent on the organization and i and then line and actually came forward earlier this year and said he's done a complete 180, and he actually, he actually called Ralph Kruger the best coach he's ever had. So I think the Ralph. I'm not, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm happy all of a sudden with the way Ralph Mr. Tulane is playing, but um, I think he did take steps forward this year as far as the game went. But the, the Ryan O'Reilly thing for sure—that's that, the one that sticks out the most because you went from, you know, not having this passion for hockey,
1: to uh, winning the Stanley
0: Go, going, going, you know, going on behind a live microphone and saying that to whoo, all of a sudden finding your passion in St. Louis and you know winning a Stanley Cup and winning the Conn Smythe and it'll go down and and I don't care, I don't care. And we're talking about a league where Gretzky was traded. Um, that'll go down as the worst trade in NHL history. And there's you can't make no bones about it. I don't, I, I don't care if Tage Thompson does end up working out. You you can't you can't get a worse result if you're Jason Botto than what happened to him in that he he, he got more of the fleece, man that, that like if it, like my opinion that 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 trade alone could have cost him his job with the way it all ended up but that's neither here nor there um but I think the the uh the, the main problem in the organization in my you know unprofessional opinion is just. There isn't somebody overseeing um, hockey operations, kind of like what Pat Lafontaine's position was. Where I think it all kind of started when he was inaliated, uh, inaliated um, on his way out of the organization when he was fired and forced to sign a, a non-disclosure agreement and that, all that stuff. Um, and then not long, not long after Ted Nolan's departure for a second time. Um, I think that's kind of where it all started, because if I didn't know anything about Pat Lafontaine, you can't find a classier human being than him. So for him to to walk away from the organization the way he did, and then to not even be a part of 50th anniversary festivities, actually to politely decline, and his numbers hanging in the rafters, um, that in itself kind of speaks volumes to how this organization is being run um what uh can you, can you hold on one second Matt?
1: yeah
0: i apologize i apologize i know how the podcast game works uh one second uh one second that man my roommate came home all hysterical no, I like no it, problem like a, I, all right so where do we where, where do we leave off i'm sorry you're talking about pat
1: LaFontaine uh, politely declining
0: okay so i'll pick up right there um you know you got pat LaFontaine politely declining to you know partake in 50th year anniversary you know and as i stated before the guy is just you know if you ever read especially if you ever read his book companions and courage like the guy is as bad of a, a a good of a human being slash athlete than you can find. Like you know, when he played time here in Buffalo, um, he would go out on his own time when there wasn't a camera in front of him and go hang out at a children's hospital, with kids who were fighting for their lives. And you know, he would he would literally sneak into the hospital. You know, when he when he when get back from road trips, just you know, it's it's uh it's mind blowing that you that you you know. However this all went down and however he was treated, that guy wouldn't want to be a part of this organization during the 50th anniversary. And his number is hanging in the rafters. So that kind of speaks to the way this organization's been run. Um, so I think, I think, you know, that in itself is the main problem. I think ownership has their hands too much um, on the product itself. You know, I think they're calling the shots too much... There needs to be somebody that really makes these decisions for them, a hockey person um, in charge, kind of the way they had with Pat, um, where I think things were heading in the right direction, and then it all you know, you know, dude. Pat's departure, you know with Pat's departure, and then Ted Black after that. And I don't know if you know much about Ted Black, but he, he used to work with uh, Pittsburgh, and he was very hands-on with the fan base. Um, he used to come on that same radio station like he used to come to the radio station itself and go on air and answer fans questions and concerns. And, you know, just, you know, if you, if, if you had a discrepancy, he would do his best literally to, to, you know, make it better. Um, and I actually had a conversation, uh, a couple brief conversations with Ted Block through his LinkedIn account. And, um, you know, the guy is very humble and very proud of, what he accomplished here, uh, you know, he actually brought up a, a, ba- a baby blanket pro- uh, program that he did where, um, you know, any newborn babies uh, during this time period would get a Sabres baby blanket. And there were fans that reached out from all across the world, Sabres fans, that, you know, wanted to be a part of this. And Ted Black would send them blankets and write him, write not, not generic letters, personalized letters from his own stationery and send them to between Sweden and Germany, I think. And, you know, the stories that people sent to me uh, when talking about it, you know, the guy was so hands-on and cared. And then you fired that guy to bring in Russ Brandon, who then you, fu- who, who was running the bills after they bought the bills. And now now you, you, you tell this guy, tell him, well, you know, we're very, very happy with the way Russ Brandon has run the bills and, you know, we we feel we should give him this added responsibility. So you're going to fire the guy who is doing a good job in the eyes of the fans, and you're going to bring in the guy running the bills and give him this huge added responsibility of helping run the Sabres from the PR marketing standpoint. I can't remember his exact job title. And then you fired him because of inappropriate uh, workplace activity or however you want to word it. And then that guy's fired. So it's been an absolute shit show in this organization, and it all starts from the top, man. And that's where that that's where it, this, this shit has to end. They have to get their hand, to get be more hands off, in my opinion, and bring somebody in that's going to, you know,
1: Sports run the franchise,
0: fears. the day to day, the day to day operations, uh, oversee the GM, overseeing certain decisions. Where, uh, from my understanding, it's been all Kim Well. Who the fuck? Who who the fuck made the decision that Kim Pagula was qualified to win a hockey franchise? What what does it say in her resume that she's qualified to do that? Where's her hockey experience? Because I don't think she has any. No, I really don't think she has any. And I think she's proven that time and time again since taking the fucking taking the fucking position.
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm going to give you a little bit of a history background. You know, obviously, Toronto Maple Leafs, same kind of thing. Uh they were owned yeah. by big conglomerates, and always he was always hands on. You always heard about Richard Petty, or you heard about the uh, the teachers, you know, pension plan or whatever you want to talk about them. And then everything yeah. changed over to Bell and Rogers, and you still had Richard Petty. It wasn't until we got Brendan Shanahan and Lou Lamorello, two guys to kind of steady the rudder and make everything go smoothly. So you have Brendan Shanahan still there now, and everything kind of calmed down. Everything kind of went, you know, normal. Things went the way they are supposed yeah. to go. Things fell into place. But it's like you said, you have to put the right pieces of the puzzle in the right spots. If you have a person who doesn't understand day-to-day hockey operations trying to oversee it and not understanding it fully, then they're not going to be able to do it. Then you move forward and you look at a, a person like, like I said, Brendan Shanahan, who played the game, been a part of the game, was in player safety, obviously earned his stripes, yeah. and now you look at the Leafs and the way that they're set up. I look at the Buffalo Sabres, and I see a lot of similarities. I mean, you guys got Jack Eichel. You got Rasmus Mr. You got uh, Rasmus Dallin. You have pieces there. But someone needs to be there to help put a vision in place and stick the route and have ownership stay out of it and just tell them, you guys aren't meddling. You guys aren't involved in this. You guys own the team. That's great. You want to come show your faces, kiss babies, pose for the camera, do whatever you guys do, but keep your hands off the product. The product is mine. I'm going to make it what it needs to be. I'm going to bring in the right people, and we're going to run this. But you know what? So many owners, and you look at Minnesota. Minnesota is the same way. They want to bring in a person who's going to be an absolute patsy, an absolute yes-man, and say everything is great and golden. All the ideas you guys are feeding me, beautiful. I'll say yes to everything. And then when the team fails and they fire that person because that person didn't he get the job the done because it's their message.
0: Yep, and that's that's not now that guy right now is Kevin Adams. Yep. Has been a kind of a staple in this in this community, uh, running the uh, academy of hockey for as many years as he's been. Um, and uh, now he's he's going to be the next guy. that's going to fall on the sword because after you know the the rant, as people call it, went viral, all of a sudden, Kevin Adams steps out of the fucking shadows, and all of a sudden he's a mouthpiece. A week later for the Pahula family, and I'm like, oh, where, where is this fucking coming from? I thought he was in charge of like, youth hockey development uh, through the Harbor Center, and all of a sudden he's got this position to speak on the behalf of the organization? Like, what? When did this fucking happen? And it, it, the guy's a nice enough guy, and my co-host, Cully, will even tell you this. He, uh, Cully had uh, had the opportunity to, play, uh, to come to two NHL camps, and um, the Sabres being one of them, and Kevin Adams was the guy who helped get him to the Sabres camp. And, um, you know, with that being said... Um, it, 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 he he was blown away listening to Kevin Adams interviews um, about the, the raise in season ticket prices and you know the, the the business side of things. And he goes, "Man, he sounds like he, he sounds like such a shill." He's, he's drinking Kool Aid, like man. Kevin, he's on the Ke- Kool Aid. Yeah, not the Kevin Adams I knew. And it's just now he's going to be the next guy that falls in the store because annihilated by this organization, and it's a fucking joke. It's an absolute joke. Uh, okay, I get it. If you're gonna if you're gonna hire him, if you're gonna hire him to to a position higher than he was, put him in a position where he gets to make hockey decisions, then not business decisions. Yeah. Because business decisions aren't his forte. He's not a business guy. He's a hockey guy. Like, don't don't have him be the next guy to fall on the sword for you. And you were right. We do have the pieces in place. We have Jack. Like we have Brett Saline. Um, Sam Reinhart's up in the air because I know his his contract is coming up. And, I, and you mentioned earlier with Jeff Skinner, um, that's, that's that's another huge issue here in Buffalo. Not Jeff Skinner, but the fact that you traded your second line center away. Again, as I mentioned, the worst trade in NHL history, and you don't bring in a second line center. You bring in Patrick Bergman, which in my opinion was laughable to begin with. Do you think he's going to replace Ryan O'Reilly to be your your, get, your, your stopgap guy between between uh, t- to Casey Middlestat? And then he goes awol, and then you throw Casey into the fire, and expect him to to, to pick up the pieces on the second line when he clearly wasn't ready. He, was, his body wasn't ready for it. He, he should have stayed in college, if he asked me. He should have never left Minnesota. He should have never signed his deal. He yep. should have played at least one more year college before going pro. Um, and, not, and 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 uh, you know, not saying you've ruined his career already, but you, you made him take step back step, uh, steps back in his development. Um, it's just it, it, it's it's mind blowing, man. It's you know you you have, you have your goal scoring winger Jeff Skinner, you have your franchise center, you have your franchise defenseman, you have your smart you have a smart playmaking winger who can also play center, and Sam Reinhart, you know if he decides to return, and just like you have all this promise in the, that handful of players, and you just see in and then Dylan Cousins in your farm system who absolutely tore it up in juniors last year. Um. And now, now you're possibly looking at another top five pick, and we have Jason Barterel there, the guy who's literally sunk this ship uh, since he's taken over. And can you really trust the guy to be the one to make this next big decision?
1: Oh, I wouldn't. Whether, I wouldn't at all. It, in, in it, the situation it, you guys are in it, is reminding me of Edmonton. You guys are it, you, it, it, Yeah, it, it, it,
0: you know what? It's it, and now this this, this pause and play or possible cancel. This may save his job. Oh, it, it will. Really, might save his job. It will. And, and the, you know, you know what, man? The most fucking irritating thing to me during this whole thing was after the trade deadline, when we made the Simmons for Dom, uh, the the, the, deal, the, sorry, Simmons, the deals for Wayne Simmons and uh, Dominic Cahoon. Um Jason Barrow went behind a live microphone, and this is my biggest, my 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 biggest uh, stick. You know, my biggest complaint. Deadline day. What after the deadline was that? These deals that we made weren't weren't deals that I were deals that I that I felt could have been on the table weeks before. It's not like these were blockbuster deals that needed time no. to, to happen.
1: You, you, you got a guy
0: who's playing probably on the third line in, in Pittsburgh, and then you have Wayne Simmons who's way past his prime and is more or less a culture locker room guy at this point. who can bang. And you know it will drop the mitts when you ask it when he when he has to, um, but you know he, he's definitely better than a lot than than most of the guys we do have, you know in in those roles. Um, these are deals you could have made three weeks, two weeks, a month before the deadline. I don't see Pittsburgh or New Jersey saying no to the deals we made. And this is after you got fleeced on the Scandella deal. You trade Scandella. Uh, <laughs> You, you, you trade you trade him and only get, I think it was like a fifth or maybe a fifth or uh sixth-round pick or something. I can't remember what it was. Then but Montreal flipped uh, yeah, And they flipped him for, what, a second or a third?
1: Second rounder, yeah. Like, second and a fourth Yeah, time. second
0: rounder, yeah. It, it, was, it, it was mind-blowing. Like, like, it, it, it's become like it, it, the Sabres have made it an art form of how bad they suck at this. You know? In your opinion,
1: um, what do they need to do to get back on track? What do the Sabers need to do to be able to be one of the best teams in the East and one of the top teams in the Atlantic, which is a a thick division to try to fight your way through?
0: Oh, this this division it, this is this is the toughest this division has been in a long time. Not especially now. Toronto is starting to resurface again. Um, you know, and it, it's been and it's been no easy ride for Toronto either. Nope. they had their ups and downs. <laughs> Excuse me, um, the, the Babcock debacle. Um, Keith, the transition to Keith hasn't been the easiest. Um, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I hope, I mean, like I said, I, 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 the thing is I love Toronto fans. I do. I know I go I go back and forth a lot on Twitter with some of them, and I feel like more than half of them know it's all in good fun. And then you have the, 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 the other small percentage who are fucking seething <laughs> when, I, when I do it. But, um, um, but um, you know, I want that rivalry to be relevant again. I really do because there's nothing better. Those were some of my, fa- oh, it was so much fun. When, like my one of my favorite series of all time was the '99 final run we had, and the semi, the semifinal against Toronto to get there. I did it was Toronto to even get to the finals. I think it was, you know, Hashik versus Cujo, Ray Domi. You know, everything about that series was awesome, man, and um. You know, you know, going to games with my dad and just uh, chirping back and forth. You're hear, hearing people chirp back and forth with Toronto fans on the street, and it still happens, but it's not—it's not like it, what, what it was back then. No, because, you know, both you know, teams haven't been relevant in how long.
1: The best of divisions oh. ever, ever was was when Ottawa and Toronto were going at it, when Ottawa or Toronto and Buffalo were going at it, and Toronto and Montreal, and they were all relevant at the top of the standings, yep. and you didn't have the Tampa Bay Lightning up there. The Boston Bruins were, well, just the Boston Bruins. And, you know, Florida wasn't muttering around. But I want all those teams to get back to that because that's the best hockey. You look at the rivalry between Toronto and Ottawa in the playoffs. Buffalo and Toronto in the playoffs. Those are games you want to see. And for crying out loud, how great would it be to see even Toronto, Montreal, finally back in the playoffs against each other? That would be amazing. But, I mean, like you, the highway series between Buffalo and Toronto, absolutely awesome. We get absolutely dominated in your barn. We know we do. But we still go down and cheer like it's our home rink and hope to God that Eichel doesn't score like two or three.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, man, I just, I, I miss it, man. And people don't realize, like, that, that's who I feel most bad about. And that That's kind of what, for me, brought the rant out was – looking back at my life in hockey and how it started because of the Sabres all the great memories i had because of the sabres because of that buffalo-toronto rivalry going to games with my dad and my cousin growing up um, just you know getting you know asking you know, begging my dad for a jersey for my birthday or christmas all the great memories i had between the late 90s runs the uh, the the 05 06 07 runs just those special times like I remember, you know, when we swept Ottawa, we all showed up to school uh, with push brooms ready for the, the sweep going into game four. Like how awesome, how fun those times were. and so many memories I had. And this is back before the arena went to shit. I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't like it was now. And the game presentation was there. You know, they cared more. Everything about the product was great. <clears throat> you know, you couldn't turn a corner in downtown Buffalo without somebody wearing, you know, something blue and gold, yelling, let's go to Buffalo, you know, or, you know, back in the black and red days, you know, it was just so much fun to be a part of that. And I look at this next generation of Sabres fans now, and that this is what really, this is what really made me go from zero to ten, um, because it was these kids, they don't know what it's going to be like. They don't know that those walls can shake in that arena. They don't know that, you know, how much fun it is To to have games that matter, to pack 10,000 people outside the arena. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that party in the plaza stuff that you see Nashville doing now, that all started right here in Buffalo. That all started right here in Buffalo uh, with the 05, 06, 06, 07, We packed 10,000 to 15,000 people outside of uh, Key Bank Center at the time. I believe it was uh, was either HSBC Arena at the time or uh, first, the names have changed so many friggin' times. Um, but, um, packing over 10,000 people outside the arena during a playoff game, just losing their fucking minds every time the Sabres had, had, had a scoring opportunity or scored a goal, uh, a big hit. I remember standing outside in the plaza, um, a couple times with my friends, you know, during the Sabres Ottawa series, I remember we showed up with a bunch of, uh, you know, lease or at least uh Senator shirts and pictures of Danny, he, and, uh, Albertson and burning them in the middle in the middle of the plaza just made a big <laughs> circle and started burning shit. Yeah, yeah, man, it was wild. And these kids these days don't know that kind of passion. They don't know how it feels to, to feel like that about your hockey team. And that's what really drove me nuts. And in the beginning of that call, you know, I, I you know, if, you know, I, I, I even said it to Bulldog. I was like, I'll do my best to organize my thoughts here. Because up until about maybe a minute before they put me on that conversation wasn't going to go the way it did. And it just started to really boil up inside of me. And then, you know, you you can tell right there in the beginning, I just kind of come to a moment where I kind of get, I get kind of get mixed up in my words and in my brain, man, I just like, you know, I said in my mind, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, go. And I just lost it. I just started going in on the organization, something I have never really done, not organization, but on ownership. And for the first time vocally, just putting it on ownership, because that was legitimately the first time put it on ownership, 100% ownership. Because up until then, I did nothing but defend ownership. And it's just all this stuff that I kind of silently let bug me inside over the course of time. And it kind of started with the, uh, the Dominic Kashuk uh, number retirement ceremony, which was a joke. Um, see that's, that's another conversation, though. And then little things here and there started to bug me from that point on. But I really never let it get enough to me to overlook the fact that we, you know, we were lucky to have the Pagoulas because we, because of them we had professional hockey because of them. And then later on we had professional football. But that's really where it all started, man. Like, you know, it's just coming into that call. Just the lack of passion that this next generation of Sabres fan is going to have. I know I've been all over the place here. But once, once you get talking to me about, get, get me going about this, man, I just, I can't stop.
1: <laughs> you know um, but That's the good thing, though, man. You're absolutely passionate about the Buffalo Sabres, much like we're passionate about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, we have our own version of, of yourself in our fan base. It's Steve Dangle. You know, he goes absolutely you know, bonkers know, and often crazy. So, you know.
0: I, 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 Steve actually had me on his, it was the first podcast I actually went on um, after the rant. He asked me to be on his show, and I, I think I was on it for, It was only supposed to be like a 20
1: thing. I was on there for almost an hour. Well, I mean, it's good when you have people to, you know, to relate to, to speak about. Because obviously, as a sports fan, you don't want to ever feel like you're the only one that's that diehard, that's got that feeling. But the good thing is, Dwayne, with yourself, is you're talking about the fans who aren't going to get to experience it. When things do start to turn that way again, and things start to get better for the Buffalo Sabres, you will be one of those fans that can lead the new generation into those cheers and into rattling the walls and into bringing it back to where it was, so you have those memories and you will be able to ignite that passion. And you better keep bringing I, it.
0: I hope so, man. It's it's um, and again, I apologize if I kind of went on a ramble, no, rambling don't worry on there. About that. It's just like once I get going about it, because <laughs> like like you, you get me thinking about it, man, and I start thinking about all those good times and think of what this organization's been. And, and, other than the fact that just. Like I said before, this, this next-generation doesn't know what, what, what good hockey looks like on and off the ice. Because um, I I, I, even, I even mentioned, like, you know, we used to get the things called the Sabres Carnivals growing up where they would open up the arena for an entire day and the entire team would be there to sign autographs. You know, Derek Plant was in a friggin' dunk tank where you could just dunk him in the water. Like, all these cool little things they did for the fans that aren't donated not exist anymore. Now it's like you have to pay to have an op- You have to pay money to have an opportunity to get somebody's autograph. Whereas back in the day, like you get, just you, they used to do street, you, they used to have street hockey fest outside the arena, and just all these little things that they did off the ice that really went a long way as far as the fan base goes. And these little things that they did are the reason why we were so passionate. It wasn't just because of the winning hockey. It was because of all these things, the, the extra mile the the, the the team back then would go to. To make to make us feel like we mattered, and it just doesn't hasn't it hasn't been existent really since the Pagulas took over, and with the exception of that moment. We, that moment we all felt when he bought the team, and you felt like he called himself a fan that he used to be a season ticket holder, and you felt in that moment it was like holy shit, man, we have a guy like us owning the team. We have a guy who is passionate. Like this is awesome. Like you know, he, he's talking about money not being a, not being an issue. So you know we're we're all saying collectively where the fuck was this guy during Drury and Breer when we had to sign, this, sign him? Them. We lost, like, possibly the darkest day in Buffalo, losing both Breer and Drury on the same day, both your captains. Where was Terry Pagula during all that? We'd have loved to have him for the order during that. <laughs> and since that moment of that feeling of just, you know, and then bringing LaFontaine in to be the new face of the franchise and bringing back Ted Nolan, which really, you know, got the butterflies going because you remember all those great memories with Ted. Uh, with, with a couple of the runs you had him, you know, and then just what is it now it's like night and day. It's like, you know, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> you know, it's absolute misery. And, just, you know, I I, I hope, man, I, like I said, I didn't need to be put on any pedestal or be the face of anything. I'm just a fan, dude. There's nothing special about me at all. Nah, I that's
1: where you're up. wrong, man. That's absolutely where you're wrong because it's fans like you that drive it and it's fans like you that get other fans behind them. And honestly, you're talking about who they need to be maybe PR or maybe the the community involvement person. It's people like you that need to be involved in those things. Oh, they want nothing drive. to do with
0: me, man. I'll tell you that right now. Well,
1: they, they do you know what, they may not right now, but honestly, do. you're talking about all those good memories. Imagine being yeah. able to be able to hands-on and do those little things. It's people like oh, you I that need it. to I be in those I love it. I'll tell you this, man. Like, like,
0: like, I have so many ideas brewing in the back of my brain right now that Things that you can do, honestly, because right now the focus in Buffalo is always is, is going to be on the Bills because the Bills are <clears throat> the Bills ship is, set, is is right right now. It's 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 a, all hands on deck. While people who are more on the, the Sabers side of the fence, you feel like you're the red the red-headed stepchild in the back seat with the windows down in the middle of winter. That's what it's like to be a Sabers fan right now compared to a Bills fan. A lot of the hate and criticism I take on Twitter too. Are from you know those fans who lean more towards the Bill side than the Sabres side of things because you know what their team is doing great. I mean, I'm a, I'm a hardcore Bills fan too, and I'm I'm ecstatic for the direction of the football team. But you know, I was I was born and raised a hockey fan. I played hockey. I've coached it. Um, I know the game. I love the game. Um, and it's not right what's happening in the city to this hockey team and what's happened to this fan base it's not right it's wrong Um, this organization should be ashamed of themselves for the way they've handled it Um, again between misspelling a Hall of Famer's name on the back of his jersey to um, just you know not meeting a simple deadline because you know it, it was honestly it was an unintentional troll job all year from the Vancouver Canucks with how well they did their 50th year <laughs> compared to us. You know, it, it was it was insane. I mean, the Sabres had their moments between Odd Night when they dressed up the, the, the arena on Odd Night, and they they, they they did do a good job on uh, 2000's night, I'll give them that. But just it was just between not having enough 50th anniversary jerseys ordered and enough in stock throughout the year, you know, that nice new jersey we had for the 50th anniversary, they they ran out of those jerseys halfway into the season almost. Like <laughs> they ran out. Like I remember I remember I was forced to buy Erasmus Dallen um, the actual Adidas jersey for two hundred and eighty dollars because they ran out of the Fanatics one. So I had to I had I had to pony up almost an extra hundred dollars to pay to pay for the legit Adidas one if I wanted a Dallin jersey, which was a joke. We, we were barely halfway into the season. Maybe I don't even think we were, we were halfway into the season. So to, from not ordering enough of those jerseys to not meeting the Adidas deadline to give you the wear the black the black and white head jersey to just misspelling names and jerseys wearing knockoffs on the ice, it was just it's just been an absolute shit show from top to bottom. And you look up north to Vancouver and their fans are fucking loving life right now up there. You know, like you know the on ice product is there. The off ice product has been phenomenal and. Here it's just like a turd. We're just a fucking a <laughs> giant turd. I, that's the only way I can explain it, man. It, it, you know, if I had, if I was more hands on, if I had decisions to make, the way I would fix—I was not with the honest fact. The way to fix this dude is to start getting on the streets with the fans. Like you know, yeah. get back to what made made it so good back then, man. Do small events, you know, at a low—if not low price, if not free—to get fans to start loving this team and this organization again. Because it doesn't just have to be on the ice uh, on ice pack right away, you know. You know, I, I feel like there's such an entitlement with players these days where you know how much money they make that they forget, you know, that it's the fans that you know help pay, you know, you know, pay for their living. You know that 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 uh, that concept has been kind of lost, and I'm not asking for Jack Eichel to spend more time with fans or something like that. But you know what? Maybe take us these three or four days out of the year where you literally just dedicate everything to the fans, and just like I, I it's just things I, I, think about, and just it doesn't take much effort. It takes actually very little effort. <clears throat> um, and uh, you know, I hope we can get back to that someday. Man, I'm not like I said. I'm, 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 I hate to make it seem like all I do is bash the organization on Twitter and whatnot, but like they don't really give me much good to talk about.
1: Listen, you're sitting and talking to a Leaf fan who went through the exact same thing for a decade of bad trades, bad players, bad management, bad coaching, everything you can name it was there. And, you know, same thing, firing guys, hiring guys, bringing new things in. So, I know where you're at. You guys will get back to to where you need to be. And I want you guys to, because honestly, there's nothing better than watching a game between Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel on a game of who's going to score more, okay? So, Dwayne, I know it's going to get back there, my friend, and I want to thank you so much so. for taking the time with me tonight uh, to chat about it, and I can't wait to talk no to you again, my friend.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. And if uh, anybody wants to uh, listen in the future, we're at at, uh, at two goalies, one mic, at the number two goalies, number one mic. Uh, that's on all social media platforms, Facebook, um, Twitter, and Instagram, and then my own personal handle is uh, at DwayneS39, D-U-A-N-E-S-39. D-U-A-N-E-S 39. Uh, uh, so I appreciate your time man I really do Um, and I uh, can't wait to collaborate with you more in the future
1: not a worry it's definitely something that will happen I'll make sure to tag both the podcast and your personal account in this so everybody can make sure to follow along and check you out through the Buffalo Sabres season I hope we get back to hockey soon Dwayne and my friend we will talk to you on the other side
0: All right, and uh, I'll talk to you soon and hopefully get you on our podcast